Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, podcast where two comedians talk like experts on topics they're not experts on. I'm Neil. I'm joined by Jordan, the infamous Jordan who's been in the uh, in the news recently. Yeah, the Dennis the Menace of state politics coming at you live from Neil's house. <laughs> <laughs> the hey. evil man himself. Dude, bringing down jacket. governments. Yeah. You got the, the bomber jacket. That's appropriate. Isn't that? Mm. All of a sudden, as soon as you start getting in the papers as a bad boy, you got to go out and get yourself a black jacket. It just apparated. I didn't even buy it. Black jacket, sunglasses. You should be drinking whiskey, not tea. You should have the whole hitch of vibe going. True. You, uh, you don't have any of that, do you? Do I have whiskey? Of course I do. Should we? What do I need to get? I need to go and get it. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's just pause this for a second. No, no, no. Let's no. have one shot. How Come about on. You keep talking. And, All right. Uh, you just, for anyone who hasn't uh, been in touch with the mainstream media, and this will probably be going out in a week and a half, I'm sure it'll still be relevant and it'll still be in the news. And I know you also, there are certain details you can't actually talk about, but give everyone a brief outline of what is going on right now. Gladly. It's, it's exciting. It's funny stuff. Anything Very dramatic. For a free shot. Look, I, uh, like, okay, he's been threatening to do it for a long time. He's John Barillaro, the stupid fat meatball, as I have so colourfully described him, and relish doing so, have been doing it more knowing that it gets under his skin. He has dropped it. He's actually filed a case. I haven't been served. Did you know this? Just in case you were ever in a high-profile political defamation case, they cannot take you to jail until they serve you. Oh, sorry, take you to court until they serve you. They have not taken me to court. They have not served me. But he did give all of the details out to the press, releasing it to all of those hounds. And the reason he has is because he's trying to get out the message that, oh, he was so racist to me, which isn't defamation, by the way. You can be as vulgar as you like to other races. That's really to prove that political correctness hasn't gone too far, Neil. As soon as that little bastion's gone, that's when it goes over the line. Mm. But, like, the, you can say whatever you want. It's just when you start implying other things, that's when it becomes def uh, defamatory about, uh, you know, the various activities that they do. That's what he's claiming. But the press is not reporting that. The press is just reporting, friendly daughty to the wraithers, such a wraithers, oh, my God. It doesn't do anything, guys. Like, we are beyond this. It might work to a certain subculture in America. This is Australia. No one cares. You know, they see him. It just gives me leaks to my video. They see that I have a much better case than what the press has, i.e. I'm not a little bitch like John Barillaro. It doesn't help. I don't know, like, he, he's, that's he's what he's trying to hard. do, though. He's trying to create the narrative before I go to court and so the jury just think, that guy's racist before they make their verdict. Well, everyone who says, hey, Jordan has been racist on those videos, my uh, response to that is always, well, look at what he's actually saying in the video. He's also uh, criticising the press for only giving attention to videos that carry that sort of controversy. So by taking on those uh, offensive stereotypes, that's the only way you can get the sort of attention to also bring light to the corruption. That's the way Spine I understand deal. it. Yeah. And that's what I always say in response to people who say, well, he was being racist. Well, yeah, he, he was. But the whole point of it was to get the attention of the press because that was the only way 
you could get their attention, and it worked. Yeah, well, proved the point, didn't it? Well, observed. That was the point. It was just we realized, okay, this is getting no attention. Like horrible land clearing rates that rival Brazil, uh, pork barreling that is just like unrivaled in this state's history. Hundreds of millions of dollars just squandered on fucking feathering that fat cunt's nest. Like all of that is happening. They won't report on it, but they will report that a YouTuber said that he looks like a greasy scrotum. It's one of those joker moments, isn't mm. it? It's just like, who's the real joke? <laughs> it's real. It really, so, it's sad. You can make the argument that it's actually a, a grand satire of the press. You can, and I will from the future. I'm stealing that now. Cheers, Use young that. man. Because he's not actually, there's no video where you've just purely been racist. No. Without any, without any sort of no background, subtext. Yeah. No, it's always just because you know it's going to get a couple of headlines. Not bad. It's that good, was expensive isn't it? stuff. That was that smooth. goes down well. Good on you, Neil, for not cheaping out. What? Let me have a look. What? A... Oh, you? Uh, well, actually, I don't know if that's expensive or not. But it doesn't. It, it was a. It was a pre- present. Shiva's regal. I don't know if they can be associated with uh, a person being sued for defamation. But it's too late. <laughs> Your brand is now tainted. <laughs> Good stuff, though. Even though you're not asking for an ad, you definitely don't want the ad, but I highly recommend Shivas Regal. So, you know what? This might get clipped out of context because uh, everything is uh, coming at you right now. So, let's actually talk about it. What is your response to the press saying, oh, this is defamation or this is uh, unethical, unscrupulous behavior. My response is... We, we in? Yes. We good? Yep. We good. First off, the, uh, the whole thing is they're just like racist, 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 racist. That is a character assassination. That actually is more defamatory than anything I've ever said because it's just out of every wow. press thing. It is, isn't it? Like You can claim defamation because you can actually say, hey, here's where I've lost the income. <laughs> I know. Look at how my sales have gone down. But uh, the, 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 the real point that I will be taking to court two things twofold the first one is nothing I have said is untrue what they're going to try and get me on is that it was phrased in a way that alludes to something else it's going to be all finicky little fine combing Mm. of words that's what the barristers are going to rely on on his side Um, so if they do get me it'll be getting me out on a technicality but the substance of everything that I've said has been backed up with sources um and so I will just be saying this is all true. I think that what he is banking on is that I run out of money and then am forced to settle, which means that he can say I've had a victory in the press, you know, and that I've been wrongfully defamed if he has a strategy. I, it's really hard to see why he's doing it. Um, this is a man who cares nothing about money. No, Christ, no. I mean, the fuck makes five grand a day on Airbnb from one of his houses, one of his many, many houses. He's loaded, mm. you know. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm. That's that's what I'm going to be banking on is just pretty much just going in there and proving everything that he claims is defamatory in court. Like I said to you before we uh, started recording, you know you're making waves when my parents are like, "Oh, that that boy you do the podcast with is in the news." <laughs> 
What did they say after that? Or was it just- well, they I just saw a- him on TV. My mum just said, oh, he's got to be careful. She's a sweetie. I would thought that she'd be like, he's very rude. But there you go. No, she was actually. I don't think. I think she probably liked the, the, the more racist. Oh, what a legend! Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah! Yes. Yeah, boomer ethnics don't give a fuck. No, because they copped it the most. Yeah, my mum actually has some really sad stories. She uh, said that kids. Uh, she grew up in Australia. She said kids didn't want to play with her because they thought she was dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of jokes don't hurt her. Yeah, it's it's the same story of what happened to my mum. Like it's it's the it, it was a different world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really, it was pretty harsh. Seventies Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, glad I was uh, thirty years later. I know. Hmm. One thing I wanted to actually ask you is uh, your stick now, a big part of what your. Uh, talking about is how the Sydney Morning Herald and specifically Fairfax is ideologically corrupt or at least they are looking past a lot of the core issues. Yet a lot of your sources I've I've seen are actually Sydney Morning Herald articles. Mm. So isn't that a bit of a contradiction there? No, and I'm glad that you brought this up because this is something that needs to be addressed, which is that... First off, this is part of like Noam Chomsky's wider critique of the manufacturing consent model is that they always say, we reported on this. Yeah, you reported on it once on a Tuesday on page 57. Mm. And it was a quarter of an article. And the reason you put it in there is so you can say, we reported on it. The other thing is, when you look at the Sydney Morning Herald, the fact that they're saying, no, they're doing all, he's using all the sources that I use. The only reason I'm using them is because they came up on Google first, but all the things that they are reporting, first off, in, in, John Barillaro, the Bruz video, for instance, this is just a classic example. Four out of eight of the Sydney Morning Herald articles are just direct lifts from John Barillaro's press release. That shows you how much they are in cahoots with the government. That John Barillaro will just say, you know, I, I don't know, I'm giving money to this oyster company or something like that, not report on why that's fucked at all, but just we're using that example to be like, he did this. You know, and then mm. we're putting the context into why that's bad, which is okay. that, you know, he's got mates in that company sure. and the company has no economic reason for getting like a three, four million dollar grant. So they're know? doing a very shallow reporting and you're adding the context and the substance. They are. Yeah. Like it's it's just because the only reason at four out of. Actually, I'll go further than that. Seven out of eight of those articles from the Sydney Morning Herald. Four of them are John Barillaro press releases. The ones that they did that were against John Barillaro were much more of the milder criticisms that he's done in the past anyway. Like things that, if you look at the things that we're usually using from the Sydney Morning Herald, they're not reporting on the really hardcore things that John Barillaro's done, but they put in a couple here and there just to keep their community communication lines open with like the Labor Party, for instance, right? Okay. Um, so like, you know, Labor, I think one was from Justin Fields, who's an independent MP. These were articles that were damning of John Barillaro, but they weren't broken by the Sydney Morning Herald. This 
apparatus that is part of a giant machine that controls about 50% of this nation's media with all of their journalists, all of their crack team investigative journalists. You know how many pieces of dirt they came across? John Barillaro, the guy who's so corrupt, he calls himself Pork Barillaro. He wears his corruption as a badge of honour. They found one tiny little dot point against him, which honestly, it was about Airbnb and him like finicking around with the rules. If I just read that, and that was the only thing that I knew that John Barillaro has ever done that is bad, I would just be like, so, and move on with the rest of my life. Okay. You know? Like, the reality of the situation is, when I'm always saying, when people always go like, he uses ABC articles, look at what I'm doing. I am just using them, like, 90% of the time that they have just reported on this event happened. They are not putting context into what that event actually means. Mm. They are just, I'm just using it because it's the first thing that pops up on Google that proves the point that that happened. You know, when it comes to like more extensive analysis, every time, every time, without fail, Independent Australia, Michael West, those are the guys that I go to Mm. for like giving you the big picture, you know? Yeah. The last point I'd want to ask you on this whole issue is the pork barreling, if you are a member of a certain geographical area, isn't it your job to curry favour from the government for your constituents and to find more money for your area? Is that corruption? Well, Gladys Berejiklian herself claims that pork barrelling is corruption. She herself has said that. So unless you want to just okay. add Gladys Berejiklian into the lawsuit, and why fucking not when you're suing Google? Why don't you just chuck in Gladys Berejiklian at that point? She is claiming that the thing that you hang your hat on is corruption. But yes, I understand that uh, pork barrelling is like a thing that is just part and parcel of politics. It's always been there. It always will be. There is a point where it becomes unjustifiable. Mm. The classic example being there was a bushfire relief fund. I can't even remember for how much it was now. It might have been $80 million, $200 million, something like that. Um, 1% of that money. of that money went to Labor seats. 99% of it went to marginal independent seats or marginal and, and like, you know, seats that the Libs and Nationals want to hold on to. That is corruption. That's pure, like, favouring. You know, Blue Mountains, for instance, World Heritage seat run by Labor, doesn't get a penny. Doesn't get a penny after the bushfires, but Wagga Wagga does, barely touched by the bushfires. What, what the fuck is beautiful about Wagga Wagga? Probably looks better after the bushfires, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a shot of whiskey more often. <laughs> and that would then incentivize the voters to actually vote for Liberal, even if they may not want to, if the only way to get relief for their area yeah. is to have a Liberal member. It's bribery. It's bribing the electorate. It's what the coalition does best. They've done it. The Howard year really kicked that off with all of these things of, you know, baby bonuses, middle class welfare, negative gearing. All of these things were designed to bribe the middle class, giving them just enough. It doesn't matter that it doesn't, like, completely unaffordable. Uh, It doesn't matter that it's a completely superfluous program that actually just screws the Australian housing market entirely. Mm. You get a little carrot here and there, you know. That's part and parcel. of. And this is the other thing as well. John himself has admitted that this is the game. He's just like, yeah, I pork barrel. What have you got the fucking wrong with it? So, like, he's admitting to it. But this isn't the only thing that he's done that is corrupt, in my opinion, (laughs) you know. Don't hate the player, hate the game. But the thing is, that's a... John Barillaro is a different level no. of 
player, you know? Like, okay. I get it. I totally get it. Th- that's the game. But there's also something called common fucking decency. Sure. You know? <laughs> you're, you're At some point, relying, you're not that selfish. You'd need to be relying on the voters to see that you're making the right decisions for the good of the country and not just for the people in that particular electorate. Yeah. Which you're, you're asking a lot for the average Australian. Look, it's, it makes sense for his electorate entirely. I think that, honestly... Uh, this is going to bite him in the ass when it comes to his own election because it's already like I hear people from the ground are just saying like why the fuck is he doing this like it just it shows how petty he is that he is the deputy premier of a state and he has time to sit around and file a lawsuit against a YouTuber that called him fat. Um, but yeah, like do, 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 <laughs> when you say it like that, yes, you know, like he's he's. He's just well, you're, you're he's not up for waves. the job. You're you're making waves. You're you're rating more than any of the mainstream outlets. You probably have the most viewed political analysis out of it. Well, I don't know about Sky News, but your individual videos would probably rate higher than any individual Sky News clip. On average, that is definitely true. But uh, I'm always open to more views. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm really happy about that's the one upside to this defamation suit, I suppose, is that it does draw attention to this. Uh, the thing that I'm most happy about is it really draws attention to just how horrendous this man's environmental record is. He's really impoverished the future generations of this country for what he's done. The attention it's bringing you, though, is very negative. The narrative that they're going to spin is that you are the bad racist man who's defaming the decorated politician. So would that count in your favour? I mean, I'm sure out of the millions of listeners and viewers that legacy media still has a few of them might you know have a peek and see what what you're up to but and that's what i'm banking on right and the other thing is i understand that there just will be the average person that won't but like honestly i really don't see public favor currying to a man that is worth millions of dollars suing a penniless YouTuber who made jokes about him. I really don't. You know, this is like instead of Rebel Wilson suing Who magazine, it's like Who magazine suing Rebel Wilson. It's a different flavour to it. Mm. I don't know. Like, let's see what happens. But I really think that uh, the average person from what I've seen, even when the City Morning Herald hit pieces, the, the, the comments underneath it are, you know, will and truly out of John Barillaro's favour. Yeah. I I just think that most people don't know who this man is because mm. well, he's the deputy he's premier. Of New South Wales, so everyone outside of New South Wales would probably only know him because of your videos. Yeah. But, like, he's truly, like, you look into the record of this man, he's a, he's a horrendous little piece of work. Um, And I think that that's it. It's just, like, he's not... There's nothing really for him to hang his hat on. That's the whole thing. I think that defamation wouldn't work if you were an effective politician that actually did serve your constituencies. But, like, honestly, apart from money that he flushes into his electorate that usually just gets spent on a bunch of consultants or whatever, like, it's it's really... He's got very few accomplishments that he can hang his hat on. Otherwise, he'd be touting them, you know? Anyway, that's well, what I got. You heard say. it first. Exclusive. Yeah, you got an exclusive there. Yeah. I hope they use some of that, some of the quotes. I hope they ask me for an interview. Why don't they ever come to me? Hey, what colleague, are, what are you colleague of say? Jordan. Is, is, do you find Jordan racist? 
As a, yeah, as a but person it's funny. of color. <laughs> yeah, but it's fucking funny, bro. Like, I I'm going to troll them. If they ever ask me that, I'm going to say. <laughs> if they ask me and Ali, as, as people of color, do, do you find that Jordan has ever overstepped the line with his commentary on race? Man, it's fucking funny, bro. I don't know what they say. <laughs> I think that's the way. Honestly, that is the way to deal, deal with, with serious reports. <laughs> don't take them seriously. They don't deserve it. Mm. Um, yeah. Damn. But I've probably said this. too much about it. So we should probably get on to the next point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Ooh, drama. Heightened drama. All right. Well, you know what? Let's just move on to a question, actually. Uh, this, is a, this is a good one. Um, this is actually from a friend of mine. And when he emailed through the question, I didn't even realize it was him. I just thought it was someone who had the exact same name as my friend, including the middle name. And I emailed back saying, hey, you have the exact same name as a friend of mine. And he said, it's me, you fucking idiot. So, Are you trying? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> What's well, a very generic white name. I was like, oh, it's just, just a common name. Are you allowed to say? No, I'm not sure. So uh, I'm can just I read it? It's, I won't it's, say it's, it. I won't it's, say it. Fuck, that is generic. It's so generic. So I thought, just think John Smith, but it's not exactly But not that, that not, but not that. so close. Even more generic, actually, <laughs> in a weird way. All righty. So, hey, Neil and Jordan, love the content here and sex sales. By the way, before I uh, finish, neilkahaka.com slash podcast if you want to ask a question. All the money raised from the questions will go straight to charity. Okay. Hey, Neil and Jordan, love the content here and on sex sales. The genuine interest and enjoyment you all seem to derive from the discussions makes for such a worthwhile listen, not to mention the opportunities for some learning and reflection too. Question, do you think performing stand-up in a prison for a crowd of inmates would be a lot of easy laughs or really challenging? No socials or anything to plug? Give a shout-out to Dan. Hey, Dan Cawthorn's the guy I do improv with. Uh, shout-out, Dan, if you're listening. Follow him. Underscore Dan Maxi, I think his Instagram is. Um, and your upcoming improv shows. Yes, every week, um, neilandfriends.com. If you live in Sydney, I know I've been saying we're going to live stream them soon for the last couple of months, but we, we are. We're just waiting on a few things. <laughs> right, 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 right. Good, um, good. <laughs> but there you go. Do you think uh, performing stand-up in a prison for a crowd of inmates would be a lot of easy laughs or really challenging? Well, look, you might be in prison soon. I <laughs> For treason, they bring back that. Jesus, I don't want to do my set in front of prisoners. I reckon I've got some jokes that I'm going to put it out there. I think I'd do okay. I think you would too. I Mm. really do think that you've you've got a blue-collar set, you know, Mm. and blue-collar ain't that far away from maximum security. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. If any of them did have jobs, they were all mechanics, you know? Or drug pushers. Drug pushers. But see, the all same the thing. Stuff. It's, it's a physical job. Have I told you? I think I might have mentioned this on a podcast a few, well, probably years ago. But uh, I was in Perth once and a guy was getting arrested. And as he was getting arrested, he was being handcuffed, put into a police car. He's like, oh, bro, you're that fucking guy from the internet. I love that story. And as his head was being put into the paddy wagon, he was like, I fucking love you, man. (laughs) And then the police closed the door and were like, yeah, you're funny. (laughs) Hitting both markets. Story is incredible. (laughs) How could you say? 
Getting trawled off in a paddy wagon. I've Neil, had Neil, can I get a photo? <laughs> I've had a guy um, at my old gym. By the way, this gym literally had a shooting. Literally, I'm not making this up. Yeah, we got Rockdale Fitness Festival. It was a legitimate gang execution that occurred outside of the gym, and um, the the glass doors near the front were were shattered, and some bullets actually went into the. Luckily, no one got no one other than the intended target got hurt. Um, luckily, not that that's any good, luckily, you know, not that only that's a good someone situation. was murdered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, you know, if you live the gang life, you gotta you gotta accept the consequences. Yeah, it's true. It's a, Sorry. Occupational health is safety hazard. Yeah, I got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> and this this guy is so muscled up. I mean, we're talking steroids upon steroids. Tats everywhere, all across his face, all across his body. The most intimidating figure you would ever see. Someone you would definitely not want to come face to face with in a dark alleyway. And he, he was just staring at me one day, which was really frightening. Don't get me wrong. I was very skinny at the time. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm that much bigger now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe average size now. And he, mm-hmm. kept, he kept staring at me with a very you know, sort of serious brooding look and then eventually walked right up to me. And he said, do I know you from somewhere? Yeah. And I said, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I make videos. <laughs> and then he said, oh, you're the fucking funny guy. He just lost it. Fuck, I love your fucking videos, cunt. Uh, that's so lucky. Uh, another guy from that gym lived on my uh, my street where my parents lived with it. They've now sold the house, not for any particular reason, but um, he always had multiple Mercedes out the front of his house. Always looked a bit dodgy. And he, he, he just looked lovely guy. Didn't seem like the sort of guy that could have built a fortune by himself with something legal. Yeah. And his house did get raided a few times. Also a big fan. See, I'm like, hitting the right. I I reckon I could do a a prison tour. I mean, they are prisoners. They would be now. That sure. is your audience. <laughs> yeah, your audience are prisoners. You could do a <laughs> sick set, and Damn. you know what else as well? It's just such a mark on a comedian stone, isn't it? Mm. Either doing a show for the troops or doing a show for the prisons. You and Metallica, you know. You're up there with the finest, I let's, reckon. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm not doing it. The, you can. Not? You should do it. Well, we should do this podcast over there. Do your Malcolm Turnbull impression for the prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> See how they like that. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I can't think of anything more inappropriate except for maybe like a Commedia Del Art circus being there. <laughs> but it's the same show, pretty much. Improv. <laughs> do it, Why do it. Every improv, improv troupe, every, everything, just you, you hear the word improv and you think, virgin. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear the yes. word. Even though that's what I'm focusing on right now. But every um, improv poster, it's always, <laughs> me and Daniel always laugh about this, it's always maybe for... for people usually three dudes one girl that's usually the gender ratio mm. that percentage mm. and there's one guy sort of a fat guy just with a very look it's a lot funny if you're watching the youtube version here but a very serious face like this mm-hmm. there's one guy up the front who's probably the, the main funny man going they're always doing this fucking you know shoulders up who do know this kind no, of face no. every improv yes. photo ever and yes. then the girls at the front Lying, trying to look sexy, but also funny at the same time. 
And there's one guy you can't have who's both. a weird tall guy who's standing really tall with with big glaring eyes. I'm, I'm telling you, every improv poster looks exactly like that. You're really giving me flashbacks to uni here, Neil. I I, I have seen that poster. It's um, except hmm. for also the other there's thing is the woman improv. trying to look sexy is she's pretty short. That's she's that sort of she's like that gamer girl look, you know, yeah, where yeah. You, you're in an environment that's. Male dominated, not only male dominated, like virgin male dominated, and they all want to fuck you. Why do they go there? Oh, that's a good question. Any any females here that do improv, good good on you. Yeah. You really are uh, putting yourself in the danger zone. Actually, you know Look, what? They're not threatening You're men. not putting yourself in the danger no. zone because they'd all be too scared to make a move. You're ever. putting yourself in the cringe zone. Yes, that's what you've put yourself into. Maybe we can do a game that... Involves love, and I can I can say what I really mean. And you know what else as well? The guys confusing that they're in love with the woman because it's the only woman that they have contact with. There'd be a lot of those relationships. Yeah, look, a lot of sadness all around when it comes to improv trips. Really, why is it like that though? It's so bizarre. Well, you know why? What? You're not doing sport if you look like any of the people that you've described. If you're lanky and tall, maybe AFL, but even then you have to be muscly. It's yeah, just you lanky. It's got no muscle. Yeah. <laughs> and they make it, a, you know, theatre sports. It's not a fucking sport, okay? No. You do train. Don't fool yourself. You know, you can do practice and you do have your performances. It's not a sport. Yeah. It requires no physical prowess whatsoever. Yes. It's the same as chess. I'm sick of that being called a sport. You know. This is not enough physical exertion. It's a board game. It's a. It's a. I love it. And what is improv? It's just fancy charade. That's it. Like it really. It's. It's a. It's a game. It's a party game. (laughs) It's not, dude. That's what it should be called. Theater games. Yeah, it's warm up games for real acting. (laughs) And I'm already. (laughs) They turned it into a sport. (laughs) They turned it into a sport. Okay, so what you're saying is, you know those like things of the uh, witches' hats that NRL players are just like weaving past. Mm-hmm. That's the sport now, is it? That's what they're saying. When except you got to get the witch's hat and try to make a scene out of it. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a microphone, guys. <laughs> it's a big ice cream cone. To be fair, those are good games. Those are apt for developing your improv skills. Uh <laughs> Improv is hilarious when it works well, though. It's incredibly entertaining because there's no safety net and the audience aren't anticipating something brilliant because they know it's all improvised. So you actually have uh, a bit more of a license to take risks and do whatever you want to do. The thing that always reminds me of theatre sports is um, just when the Craig Ferguson show was on late night. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's like... One show a week, uh, Craig Ferguson would just boom. Like, it was just like, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. Three of them would just be like, okay, you know. And then one show a week was just like, it was unbelievable. Like, you just couldn't stop watching. It was this little lava lamp that was happening in real time. And you, like, you were so, this is the magic of it, I think. You're entranced while laughing to the point that you don't even realize that you're laughing. Mm. It has that kind of a glue to it. So that's what I yeah, I back it's that a, up. Like when it works, it works. Mm. It's almost the synthesis of stand up and uh comedic acting. 
Well, it is, isn't it? It is really, yeah. Yeah. Because you're taking elements of both. It's more towards character acting, actually, but there's definitely a skill that a lot of stand-ups would uh, find useful if they wanted to do it. But, okay, if we were doing a performance for prisoners, well, I'd research, you know, the prison social dynamics. I've read that book, but... I'd look a bit more into it. Prison social dynamics. Is that a book? No, 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 no. I did the actual social dynamics of a prison. So then I can make reference to that in the set. Jeff Ross did a uh, special where he roasted prisoners. It was hilarious. And he was in a prison. He was in a prison. He got guys up and he's got this like fat Mexican up and just started talking shit about him. And they're all up. And there were these guys up the top and he was roasting them for being neo-Nazis. They literally had swastikas tattooed onto their face. And, and he's roasting them. I mean, I they were like, "Yeah, he's one of us." Yes, but also like that. when you are with that sector of society, that's the only thing they respond to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Paying yeah, them yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Heavy insults. Heavy, heavy insult. That's anything less than that, they'd think you're a pussy. It's actually half the insult. If you're not insulting them, they won't laugh. No, no, they won't respect you. If you do this meek, non-offensive comedy there, you will die. I'm guessing. It is a much rawer form of comedy, what they like, and it's closer to what I think true humor is. But that's the other thing. It's also the other social dynamic that's working there as well is that pretty much I'd imagine that the only emotion you're allowed to exhibit in prison is anger. (laughs) That's it. That's the only thing that is going to be rewarded. So yeah. if you're sitting there and being insulting, that fits into the mold of what's okay. Mm. But then I might again, have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've heard that you know when you go into prison, the first thing that the inmates will do is someone will actually pick a fight with you. And you want to show that you are capable of holding your own and being able to fight and defend yourself. But you actually want to lose the fight because if you are too good of a fighter – then all the hotheads within the prison will want to challenge you. Mm, mm, okay. So, so you've got to put up a fight, but you've got to actually ultimately submit. This is what this is one person told me, and they one of their friends had been to prison side. I can't verify this. I mean, far out. Like that that puts a big twist on what I always thought it was, which is just, you just go in there, you get someone who's eating at a lunch train, you slam their head into it. It actually makes a lot more sense to do that. You want to gain respect, but also know your place. Yeah. Something kind of cool about that. Yes, there is. Mm. What else? Uh, well, this is a lot of just, he's just saying he, he likes the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm sure I'll see you soon, actually. School <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> he hasn't specified whether to stay anonymous or not, so I'm just going to assume. Um, I think it still would be challenging. I don't know. I mean, we, we do say that it should be about 10 minutes for each question, but there's not much more to say about this one. Um, How would you approach a prison gig? I would do that. I would do exactly what he's played it perfect. You wouldn't have a set. You would just sit there and make fun of people for 60 minutes. Mm. In fact, actually, that's naturally what used to happen. I used to play at this bar that was rough, 
back in the day. And what's rough for you? What do you mean? How rough was the bar? Like, you know, it wasn't Campbelltown. It was Dulwich Hill. But Dulwich Hill High used to have like Dulwich a lot Hill. of Tongans. Gentrified, man. Now it is. Now it is. Oh, and like, then, let's, be okay. on, let's be honest, it was getting there when I was younger, but there was still those kind of, this was back in the days where mm. Newtown still had a bit of a King's Cross pre the lockout laws feel to it. There was okay. still a few strip clubs around. There was still a few okay. of those like inner west sanctums filled with a bunch of bikies. And I remember that. I remember getting up and doing my little French chef or whatever and it just not landing at all. And then all <laughs> of these bikies being like, you're a fucking homo. And me just being like, look at you, you're just fucking gayest man. In the middle, you know, like that's that's what you need to do. That damn, you just need to pay them out, and you need to start instantly. And I reckon that you just don't have anything planned at all. That's such a fine line to to tread, though, because if you overstep and say something that is a soft spot for them, which I'm sure they probably don't have many soft spots because it's such a hard lifestyle. But if you were to actually offend them, you die. So you have to pay them out, but not actually pay them out. Yeah, you're right about that. I think that also you have like the, this is the other thing. People are in that environment expecting that they're supposed to be laughing in that environment. So yeah, you've got more license in that realm. You know, like it's the same thing of the guy that is beating the other guy, but not into submission. That's kind of like an underwritten social rule that is put there to put you kind of like in the hierarchy of it. But that's the same thing that's happening at that stand-up show. It's kind of like everything that happens there is in jest in the same way that the jester in front of the king could make fun of the king and not be beheaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do have that license. Yes, it's appropriate. Having said that, uh, Spanion was just talking about the fact that there was like a few people in the prison that were just beyond psychopaths, you know, like they they were just, he was saying as a hardened prisoner who has spent his entire life in prison, there was a few people that stick in his mind that, this is a haunting thought, isn't it? Stabbing someone to the point that the person is screaming for their mother so they've become delirious from how much they're getting stabbed. Like they're that close to death that they're screaming for their mum, despite the fact that their mum isn't in prison, you know, like, and they just keep going from there. And it'd be over nothing. And do they they die or do they purposely keep them as close to death as possible without actually killing them? uh, The latter is worse, if anything. Isn't it? I don't know. I just remember that Spanion was just saying, like, I'll tell you what, that shit stays with you, bros. And, you know, he said some stories in the past that are pretty fucked and he's, like, laughing about them. But that one he's, like, very serious about. Although I'd imagine, man, I'm going to get called out for this, but I'd imagine guys who have been there and done that would definitely amplify some of the stories and how hard their life really was to make them sound tougher. Because that's so such a such a respected virtue within that world. How tough and how hard you are. You know what? That's definitely true. That's that is something that. But like, no, I just can't imagine that it's no, not. Yeah, not it, that I'm ever doubting prison would be rough. 
Because, but how rough? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to argue with that. I don't know. Look, obviously, it, look. If you're in maximum security, it's going to be rough. Yeah, that's where the worst of the worst go. That's the people that used to get shipped off to Tasmania. Well, that's them. I uh, Goulburn Jail apparently is like they. Someone said because uh, it's the Supermax, but they call it Super Mosque. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone converts to a very radical version of Islam. You know what? Actually, they were saying that this is the thing <laughs> Do that a is gig there. Fuck. Uh, actually, right, here's my impression about- of Muhammad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the balls. Would you have the to balls. get paid to do that? He's a cartoon I drew of mom. Oh my ah. god, that's your opener. <laughs> You know no, what? No, you just it talk might shit actually about work. Israel or something, and then they'd love and that. Then you're in. <laughs> I love that. Do really offensive caricatures of Jews. Oh yeah, come on with the work. big nose and the just everything. There's no Jews in Golden yeah, for where's sure. Where's that little five cents? <laughs> they'd love that. Yeah, they would. Or just George Bush. Man, if you make George Bush look like a Jew, I'd love that, right? Fuck, this is probably, yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow gaining access to this podcast. Being like, Dude, that, that, bro, oh my that God, dumb. that is such a <laughs> damn, isn't it? I'm into conspiracy theories. I've, my conspiracy theory is George Bush is a Jew. You, you can imagine that. Oh, that's such a treat. <laughs> That'd work a while. Actually, t- to be fair, people who would be plotting a terrorist attack wouldn't be the dumbest people out there. That's that that they would have a different level of intellect to someone who's just committed a common assault. Well, it really depends if they how successful they were at the terrorist attack, you know. Yeah, it's fair. That's a fair point. But if if they were found out by Asia, they must have had at least some some competency to their planning. Mm. Mm. So the the they really got to low some point. They bought a lot of fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the the truly lowest common denominator of jokes may not even work with them. Maybe they actually want a bit of highbrow at the super at super mosque. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, yeah, they'd be starting to become men of God, and they'd probably start reading a lot as well. That is something that you hear; it's quite interesting. There's mm. some people that just don't, but a lot of people when they go to prison, they sit there and they just start reading War and Peace. Yeah, well, they're at the nothing else to do. Lo- yeah, they 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 want um, meaning. They want their life to still mean something if they're there for twenty years. Mm. It's actually really interesting that you say that about Goulburn because Spanion was saying that Goulburn used to be a hard prison 20 years ago. I don't. This would line up with the fact that it's still a mosque now, but he was saying that that's the one that has done it right in that they separate you in different yards from your gang and your race, whereas a lot of other prisons across New South Wales, he said Lithgow's the worst. Lithgow just chucks you in this pit. And actually, that's Jesus what happened. Like, Christ. I remember. Uh, it could be you. Could be me. <laughs> I knew someone that went to Lithgow Prison. Actually, no. They were in. They were in Lithgow Prison for a bit, and they were saying that it was better than the private prisons. But how scary is this story? He was blind. <laughs> he was blind. He went to prison. He had his little stick. They were just like exercise time. He walks out. Within five seconds of his walking out, someone grabs the stick off him and he just hears the... <laughs> so they probably <laughs> cracked the knee and then he didn't know because he's blind. But then there's this SAS soldier. Fuck. How boss is this? There's this SAS soldier in the pit and someone runs at him and then the guy just windpipes him, just being like... Dah! To the guy running at the blind guy and then the guy's on the ground being... 
And then the SAS soldier says, quote, anyone else want to dance? And everyone backs off. <laughs> Why was the SA- what did the SAS soldier do to get in- into prison? He, uh, it's actually quite a classic story because I remember that my mum was on a jury case years ago that included this. But SAS soldiers, once they retire, uh, they can retire kind of the same way that um, – you know, a sports star is just top of the world and then they sprain their ankle in the wrong way and they're done. That's kind of what happens to SAS soldiers. And then they've got nothing else. Mm. And the mafia starts picking them up and starts slowly indoctrinating them into, just, you know, just deliver this package. It wasn't that hard, Mm. was it? Why don't you just go take this? uh, Don't don't ask what's in the back, but just take it over to the border. You know, they've got the skills for it, don't they? Yeah. And after what, exactly. They have the skills for it. And, um... That's what he was in jail for. He started doing a few retribution hits for the mafia. Ooh. But he wasn't... Obviously, he had some set of principles or something like that because as soon as the blind guy was in there, he kind of... Like, he was just saying, if if that SAS soldier wasn't luckily in prison at the same time I was, I'd be dead. So, there you go. Well, good on the SAS soldier for standing up for the blind guy. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's not that weird. Like, he, look... He, that's the whole thing. Like sometimes it's just there is people in prison that they they just before you know it you're mm. committing crimes and just kind of fall into the life. That does happen. Yeah, of course. I've I've heard a few things about SAS soldiers and they're they're, they're really interesting. Um, a lot of the people who are picking the from from I don't know how and, and this is you know as I say at the start of podcast two comedians talking um, on topics that. This is one I'm definitely not an expert on. Uh, when they're picking from the crop of, you know, army recruits or defense force personnel or however they do it, they actually don't look for um, physical prowess. They actually look for mental capability first for the SAS soldier. So they have to mm. be very intelligent. Mm. And then they say, we'll just put you through rigorous, intense training to train you up. Mm. Because they say, well, you can't, you can't build... Um, an impressive mind. That's very genetic, but you can build an impressive body. I mean, some people definitely have better genetics, but it's I'll a lot more what, malleable, the physical state. It fucking... it. Yeah, dude, it definitely backs up. This SAS soldier was doing the same thing. He was studying law mm. while he was in prison and he was doing it so that when his parole was up, he was giving his lawyer notes on how to get him out of there. You know, they, they're not they're not stupid. Impressive man. Yeah. I think definitely like it. And it co-aligns also with what my... I can't talk about what my mum was doing because it was like a jury case. But, you know, th- that SAS soldier was clearly very intelligent. Yeah. You have to do an IQ test even to just get into the defense force. Do you? Yeah. Oh, because if you're below 85 or something, isn't it? Don't let you in. Yeah. Don't let like you near a make, gun. Kind of makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> what a fucking idiot with the gun. Actually, yeah, that's what Jordan Peterson was saying, wasn't yeah. he? It's just that, like, at a certain intelligence threshold, you can't do any jobs. And the military is well, very clear on that. IQ is actually the biggest determiner of success, more so than race and gender and any of the stuff that we're constantly talking about. It, it's IQ. If you have a high IQ, you're almost certainly going to be successful. Although you're also more susceptible to things like alcoholism and drug addiction. 
Jesus. But IQ is the um, if there's anything, if a if the system discriminates on anything, it's IQ. I'll tell you what. It really backs up with my experience in life. It's anyone that I know that is smart is either stunting on everyone else or they're a drug addict. You know? Anyone yeah, that can, got, I like, can, high up in the HSC. Hmm. Makes does, sense. It makes it makes logical sense. Yeah. They make connections quicker than everyone else. They. The, this is the amazing thing about them. You give them a task... You give them a task, they will complete the task. Like, they, like th- this is the thing that really scares me when I'm around smart people. Um, something that took you, like, months to figure out. You're just like, here it is. And then it's like a computer. Download mm. it. Done. So, if anything, they're quite bored by what other people would consider challenging jobs. Which is why they just see. must move. It must be just to stimulate their own brain. To stimulate themselves, they must mm. just keep moving up to higher and higher tasks. Mm. So maybe that same level of stimulation uh, in a sort of alternative way would be to consume copious amounts of um, mind-altering substances, such as alcohol or drugs, whereas the average person only needs a couple of couple of drinks. Having said that, there are a lot of dumb cunts that drink a fuck. I, I don't think that our look yeah I, I do know some intelligent people that are alcos but usually someone who's an alco is pretty dumb no but they? this study it, it, it i'm pretty sure uh you are more susceptible to alcoholism the higher you are there's a correlation between high iq and alcoholism well like, maybe look, check that out someone check that study. up but I, I i'm pretty sure well i didn't actually read it someone who i deeply trust told me that so yeah, right, I, right, I can't right. imagine he's a, although he's a very smart man. He could be duping me in some way. <laughs> Tell you what, what do you think about acid never, as an intelligent man's drug? I don't know. I've never done it. Neither have I. I haven't done it, but I can imagine that really smart people would be attracted to it. Look, I, this is all just, this is all hearsay thing, but I just remember I had a friend um childhood friend clearly just i don't know you know what my entire life i feel like i feel like my for some reason i'm just always in the shadow of someone much smarter than i am like they're just in my life and i'm good friends with them and i'm always just like for some reason i'm just not connecting the dots as quickly as they are but he was one of them he was originally at the beginning of that and i just remember that he started taking heavy, heavy, heavy amounts of acid. Then I think the next step is that you get into conspiracy theories. This is the other thing that I see a lot. I think that people that are intelligent and have nothing to do with their time take a lot of drugs and then they just get into a lot of YouTube conspiracy theories. That's very true. But also really dumb people do that. So it's hard to differentiate which is which. They, they, uh, another podcast I was listening to and the person with the highest recorded IQ, I think in recent history was a, a a huge white supremacist who believed all the fringe conspiracy theories theories because they're able to convince themselves in a way that other people can't no that's true and also the other thing is the conspiracy theories really play on the imagination mm. and, and and intelligence doesn't mean you're right at all no you know what actually uh, 
as you were saying, I've read the same thing. It, if anything, quite often means the opposite. Exactly. Like, people of average and lower intelligence, if you say to them, this is the case, they'll be like, yeah, okay. And then mm. if you say, this is not the case, they'll be like, yeah, okay. Mm. An intelligent person won't change their mind. Yeah. there's. In fact, I've heard uh, if someone has r- really set ideas on whatever issue it may be, uh, showing them evidence to the contrary, even if it's as, as, as rational and um, as real as possible, it actually solidifies their position even more. Isn't that bizarre? So if you are that conspiracy theorist and you show real evidence that disproves whatever theory they believe in, it actually further reinforces their ideas. Because it's, uh, then it, you come down to what we always talk about, a sense of identity. Their identity is being attacked, so they get into a defensive mindset. Well, I've been thinking about this recently. It's just like, dude, how the fuck do you convince someone who's like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if they exist anymore. They probably don't. But ISIS soldier. You can't convince an ISIS soldier not to be an ISIS soldier. There's a threshold, <laughs> isn't there? There's like, there's Did a point really where can't. like, yeah, you know, like there's, there's a, there's a certain point where someone is God. just convinced beyond the pale. So it's just like this uh. thing of like, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about that so much. How would you deprogram? I'm sure there is something that happens where you can deprogram them, but they talk about de-radicalization, but that's where they just simply take on a slightly less radical version of whatever they were yeah. believing in. This is their methadone, right? So you can't just say to someone who is an extreme ISIS soldier, hey, just fit into normal society, go become an electrician. That's not going to satisfy them. There's no way when they were on the front line of an ideological war and dying for a cause, and they were going to die for their, for their pure harem. Of however many virgins it may be, and then you tell them, no, the you way should you should pick live up your a life trade. is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> study for five years, <laughs> and then earn seventy k a year. Maybe get a wife if you're lucky. No, I'm gonna take the seventy two virgins, bro. Well, it's not even that. It's just I think that's actually just a thing of war because your emotions are getting spiked all the time by being in such scary situations that you go yeah. back to normal life, and it's just your wife being like, "Can you go to the shops?" Yeah, it would be boring. That'd suck. Damn. Don't you think? Like, I don't want to become a soldier, but I understand the allure of it. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's You know what it is. It's War is for people that bungee jumping's not enough. Someone who's just like a little more of a dopamine addict than Logan Paul becomes a soldier. With more morals. Than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, depending on which army you're fighting for, actually. That's really what you want, though, isn't it? Like adrenaline junkies. You would really want... You know what, actually? I was reading this. Is you'd, you'd also want people who um, don't question authority. An adrenaline junkie would generally be someone who... ADT. ...goes against the norm, right? Well, you actually want people to stick to their unit. Even if their life is on the line, you need people to follow orders. But when, that's the whole training pro. You know what? I just remember... Once asking my mum that, I was just like, why are they making them jump through the tires? Like, does that help them not get shot? And she was like, no. I was like, what is it? And it's just like, so that when they're getting shot at, they're still just like, go forward. And they do it. (laughs) 
That's mostly what military training is about. It's mostly just like go die, and they're just like okay, and they just run up. <laughs> Jesus, well, that's what Gallipoli was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Recently, I was just that's reading dumb. about like how the army in Rome changed from like when the Western Empire collapsed to the East Empire. And it's really, really interesting because it was this book written, I think it was called The Strategum or something like that. And it was all just about how much warfare changed. And back in the day in ancient Rome, you'd be fielding armies of like 100,000 soldiers. They'd all be well-trained and they'd all be well-equipped. That was what gave them their edge and made them the empire that they were. But the world had changed so much because everybody started armoring up. It's that classic, you know, it's like what, what, evolution in yeah. fast track. Like what? everybody's weapons are arms race, huh? What time period are we talking here? We're talking dark ages? Would have been the dark ages in the West, in the East. The East Roman Empire was still flourishing, so there okay. was still- But Could what- become the Byzantine? Byzantine. Well, yeah, like- Historians call it the East Roman Empire, but like it's kind of just known as the Byzantine Empire, I guess. But like they, they, um, you know, an average army in Rome would have been like 50,000. And then when it came to like the East Roman Empire or the Byzantine, it was started, it started going down to like things like 7,000 soldiers, teeny, teeny armies, but they were all SAS soldiers. And like, you look at a picture of them and how much armor they had on them. They were terrifying. It was just this impenetrable fort. They actually looked like space marines from Warhammer, you know, like the <laughs> except without a gun. Okay, with just cool. this fat axe that was designed to just cut through someone else's armor. They were truly professionalized by them through hundreds of years of warfare. And they used to just like, it, it was just such a more stealthy game. Instead of just fielding men to go and run at each other, it was more just like pretend that you're a convoy of traders. And then when the army just came to ransack you for your supplies, just be like, no, and just fire a bunch of crossbows. And it was it was like Oof. all of Europe just became very guerrilla warfare or like closer to guerrilla warfare. It was a very sneaky period of time. Was this before the Ottomans came to power? The Ottomans took down the Byzantine Empire eventually. They were mostly constantly fighting against what became, I th- fuck, I can't even remember, the Balkan Empire, I think, or the Bulgarians and uh, Parthia. What What were the origins of the Ottoman Empire? Where did they originate from? Which city did they, were they always Turkish? Yeah, they were Turkish. Modern day Turkey. Turkish, yeah. Mm, but Byzantine, the Byzantine Empire, the, the, the um, Eastern Roman Empire was, Centered in Constantinople, was it? Yeah, yeah. And so then where did the, which city, I guess, did the Ottomans pop up from? I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about them. Mm. After the East Roman Empire, I've got no idea what was happening further than that. I guess because so much of, a, you know, the modern West is, is looks fondly to, to Rome, but there was this huge empire in the middle there, right? Before After Rome and before the British Empire. There's a lot of other empires. I clearly not don't know my history very well, but like, that was a big empire. Oh yeah, but they were Parthia was always their enemy in the east. It was just hundreds of years of blow for blow. No one could ever make the final, you know, death knell on either of them. Mm. The thing that actually really started to weaken uh, the Byzantine Empire, I think, was the Crusades started to fuck them up a bit, and uh, it, it was mm. like they started becoming 
Actually, it started becoming kind of like ISIS. It started becoming a caliphate, okay. and so the whole region became very radicalized. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is an empire that existed for thousand years or something didn't it because it was only in in 1400 ad that constantinople was finally won by the ottomans yeah but the thing is man like i used to always think that and i was like wow that's amazing but you look at what was counted as like an empire it was basically just croatia you know like it wasn't croatia yeah, but it was like sure. a, it was such a teeny area of land but that was just because was it anything like the original roman empire at its height it was at certain points at certain points like emperor justinian took over most of what was the west roman empire for a bit but it quickly seceded and yeah. went back and it was just because warfare had changed into such a such a profession by that point gosh it was it was really it was a trade you know, passed down almost from father to son. That was what became of soldiers. And, like, nobody had the money like the Roman Empire did because the Roman Empire just surrounded the entire Mediterranean. It just got all of that trade for itself. But then that was just divided up between 20 empires, you know, uh, tiny little things. Was the language always Latin? In Rome? Mm. Yeah. Even up I, to the later years of the Eastern Roman Empire? I don't know what they spoke, actually. You know what I'd imagine they'd speak is Greek, but I don't know. As a modern-day, well, a, a sort of variant of modern-day Greek. Variant of modern-day Greek. Look, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, do, I really don't because I've just started to read up about it because it's always been like a little mystery zone of my ah. knowledge. But it's really interesting thinking about how different the world must have been in that period of time where it's just that kind of thing of like maybe nukes were a good thing you know <laughs> up until then it was just people constantly living in fear constantly having their city sieged yeah, every village you know? was just constantly ransacked, raided raided yeah very little security. God. No wonder they had supernatural beliefs. <laughs> Every decade, Vikings came and just raped the women in your village, killing most of them. Yeah. Of course, uh, they're going to try to Here's the bonus as well. Power. Took all your pigs and all yeah. your grain so you had nothing to eat afterwards. There's a bonus. after that. No. No, Christ. Would you want to be? No. If that's the best that life has to offer. It's so easy to be an atheist now, isn't Gee, it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You, you can't blame people back then for not being particularly atheistic. No, and, and, and flocking towards religions that promise that look, it gets better when you die. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's reward there. Mm. God. Well, that's we had we all had ancestors living through that. Yeah. You would you know have what? definitely because you, you've got Croatian heritage. They would have been on the front line yeah, for all of that. For all of medieval Europe, that would have been like a hot zone, I reckon. Yeah, so you got all that DNA. you got all that mercenary DNA. I'll tell you who has the real mercenary DNA. Serbs. You can I'm tell. I'm getting work on you guys, actually. you Dude, you uh, growing up as a Croatian, I used to think you guys were the enemy. Now I think you're- Fucking pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah. You meet a Serb, you're like, yeah, you, you, your genes have been through some <laughs> thousands of years of fucking hard. <laughs> 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 
God damn. <laughs> well, they were always at the, just the crossfire of uh, the Crusades. That was usually like, th- that was the end zone for all of it. They copped it. Yeah. You know, a lot of the biggest Holy conflicts shit. of medieval Europe was that area. I don't know what was happening in India. I don't know if it was just like the same empire the whole time with like a few, you know, coups and transitions. I don't know. No, there were a lot of different kingdoms. And so they India were was warring. Only, and- uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know in that time period, but I know coming up to the sort of 1400s, 1500s, the Mughal, Mughals took over, which I don't think they were different to the Ottomans, but they were their the religion was Islam, and then the um, Marathas won back most of what is now modern day India, and they were Hindu. Yeah, and then the British came in the seventeen hundreds. That's the very bare bones, <laughs> but it has been a civilization for thousands and thousands of years. Um, Hinduism has been around for. A very long time, a lot older than Christianity. But yeah. Hinduism itself it is not a religion. It. It's it's a sort of umbrella term for um, a lot of different variants. They all worship. They each temple is based on a different deity. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that that seems like an ancient religion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any anything polytheistic is going to be older. Pretty ancient. Yeah. The thing is, actually, from your very brief description of it, it really seems like India didn't cop it. Like oh, look, it seems like know. there was just I like a few, like transition changes every like few hundred years. Look, I'm sure throughout that period of human history, there was still probably a lot of war. But I don't know. Yeah, if they copped it as much of as much as Central Asia and Eastern Europe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, neither. It's they, before the British. Um, there was a bit of a golden era there. They were one of the highest producers of spices and whatever was valuable back then out of anywhere in the world having said that there was still it was like one main kingdom that had taken over most of india i think um and then they were still somewhat divided and then the east india company came and sort of did some conniving tricks and did what the british usually do and it wasn't just an all-out war i don't think again i don't i don't i'm not 100 sure about this but then there were the anglo maratha wars in the late 1700s I don't know. Someone can comment, um, you know, a, a brief history of how India even came to be as a country. It was only a country in, what, 1940 or something. I really don't know how it works, but I know that empires after a while must have learned their lesson that there's a much better way of gaining empires, which is just through, like, economically undermining a country. That's what China's doing now, isn't it? Yeah. And they're doing it in a much more subtle way than, say, the US was, which yeah. is their strategy as well. But it's not as overt as the British, which, again, is not as overt as medieval Europe. You know, like it gets yeah. subtler and subtler so every time. Oh, we're evolving. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap this one up. That was that was a fun one. That was good. Um, NeilKalaga.com slash podcast if you want to ask a question or send a topic for us to explore. Um, do you have anywhere where people can, I guess, donate to your legal? Not yet, but like there that? will be soon. Don't <laughs> okay. you worry about that. I'll be asking for a lot of money. Thank you. <laughs> in advance. Thank you in advance. All right. See you guys. Thank you.